And we can begin our service by singing Psalm 67 from the Scottish Psalter. Lord, bless and pity us, shine on us with thy face, that the earth thy way and nations all may know thy saving grace. We can sing the whole psalm. So that um, psalm we have just sung has been one that has obviously been sung for a long time. We know that when it was written, um, it was long before the Saviour came. The one through whom all the, the nations would be blessed. And... In his words we can see something of the desire of your people in Old Testament times as they look forward to the, uh, the days of the gospel. But we sing it and we can sing it looking back at uh, 2,000 years of uh, gospel blessing throughout the world. And as we look back, we can see that there has been a great population explosion 
far above what could have probably entered into the minds of those who first sang the psalm and as we sing it today there are so many billions of people in the world and when we come to ask you to to bless the gospel throughout the world perhaps we don't fully realize how big the the thing is that we are asking and yet the wonderful reality is that whatever our conception is of the size of the world you know everything about everyone in it and therefore you're able to reach people uh, whether you use crowds or whether you meet them in an individual basis and uh, we thank you Lord for that that you can contact millions simultaneously and yet do it all differently to each one of them and that gives us great hope as we uh, see from our perspective uh, the rise of all kinds of sinful activities and expressions and ideas and yet to know at the same time that you are able to work in the hearts of everyone is a wonderful encouragement for us as we serve you in different ways we thank you Lord that your church is growing that whatever our perception is the reality is that in a, from a global point of view it's bigger than it ever has been and that in countless places uh, the name of Jesus is being exalted and honoured and we thank you Lord for the wonderful words that Paul said uh, to Timothy when he reminded him that the Lord knows them that are his not merely knows about them but knows them knows them uh, personally and knows them perfectly but also knows them and what each one of them is going yet to be when all the ransomed will be gathered round Jesus in the eternal world uh, when all of them will be glorified and that's an amazing prospect to think about as we live in our dark world so Lord we pray as we gather in your own day and as we gather around your word that we would be encouraged by what your word says and that our hope would be strengthened and that our vision would be enlarged and that our expectations would increase and that you yourself would uh, remind us that you are God and that you are the God of mercy the God of salvation and in connection to that we give you thanks that in your word there are many examples of individuals who met you and who received blessing from you and as we think about one of them shortly uh, we pray that we'll be able to put our feet as it were into their shoes and 
see that in a sense while they had their own uh, personal experience they also are pictures to us of what we can expect from your working in our lives so Lord we pray that you would speak to us from your word and that we would be uh, helped by it we are told that the entrance of your word gives light and therefore we pray that that would happen uh, tonight we ask you Lord to remember all congregations that meet to worship you um, whatever each of them is we just pray Lord that you would uh, be in their midst and make yourself known and that by the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of all those in those gatherings that they would experience your great blessing and that your mercy would be revealed to them all we ask you Lord to bless the congregation here and you know the circumstances that they are in and we just pray Lord that you would guide them and help them bless each one connected to the congregation and that all of them would be able to lean upon yourself and look to you uh, the living God as the one who can help guide and do whatever is needed so we pray Lord that you just remember the congregation and all connected to it so Lord be with us we pray remember any in the congregation who are not well we commit them to you and others we know who have had um, bereavements we ask that you remember them all and help them as they face this uh, new <coughs> circumstances in their lives and that you yourself would just draw near uh, to all such so bless us we pray as we are here and we just ask you to speak to us from your word and we ask you too to give to us the assurance that if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so be with us Lord we pray and bless us now for Christ's sake Amen uh, we can sing again to God's praise this time from Psalm 146 in the Scottish Psalter and we'll sing verses 5 to 10 O happy is that man and blessed whom Jacob's God doth aid whose hope upon the Lord doth rest and on his God is stayed verses 5 to 10 
Uh, we can read from Luke chapter 18, down at verse 35. As he, that's Jesus, drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. And may God bless that reading. We can sing again, this time from Psalm 119, and sing Psalms, the section beginning at verse 17. Do good to me and I will live, your servant will obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see great wonders in your law, O Lord. We'll sing the section 17 to 24.
Well, we can turn back to the passage you read there and look about um, Bartimaeus and we can uh, think about it together. I'm sure the disciples <coughs> found it quite difficult at times to fully appreciate what Jesus wanted. The Luke gives us accounts of various people that um, either came to Jesus with a particular purpose or were just dealt with by him in a, what seems like a casual manner and he doesn't deal with them all in a predictable way if we had read previously in the chapter Luke chapter 18 we would have read about his interaction with someone whom the disciples thought was an ideal candidate and the ideal candidate as no doubt we know was the, the rich young ruler uh, the disciples would have assumed that well here's the kind of person that we need as a, as a group as it were we're not very big numerically and we don't have anyone that's prominent and all of a sudden this ruler comes from nowhere and seems to express great interest in Jesus and his message and uh, disciples I assume as they listen to Jesus uh, interacting with this man and basically showing to the man that he doesn't even know himself and uh, never mind any, anything else they must have been puzzled as um, who does Jesus want in his kingdom and a couple of verses later we have this man who's at the opposite social level to the rich ruler and that is this blind man begging and Jesus has a very different response to uh, this blind beggar so it must have been difficult for the disciples at times to anticipate exactly what would be Jesus' reaction. And of course that particular problem is not limited to those who were with him when, we were, when he was in the world. But most Christians at times are puzzled by some things that take place. Anyway, this blind man was um, there on this particular day. Luke tells us that um, in preparation for his gospel, he had searched things out diligently just to find out exactly about the, the, the details that were being spread about Jesus and his and his 
life on earth and therefore humanly speaking we would have expected uh, Luke since he has done all the research to tell us what the man's name was but Luke doesn't tell us what the man's name was the only one that does tell us his name is Mark and, and Mark um, doesn't actually tell us his first name because uh, Bartimaeus is, is his surname and, um, and that in itself is uh, quite unusual because normally it's by their first name that people are known but this man here Luke doesn't tell us what his name is but he's just known by his surname he's the son of Timaeus Bartimaeus on this particular day as he was in Jericho lots of people were passing through it was we could almost say the most unlikely day that there would be time to speak with Jesus and, uh, and the reason why uh, the roads were so busy is because the crowds were making their way up to Jerusalem for the annual Passover as far as Jesus himself is concerned he's only got about a fortnight to live he is on his way to Jerusalem for the last time and he is um, there as we know he's going to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin but there's crowds of people it was almost as if uh, the rest of the country was depopulated as they all went because they were required every male Jew was required to go up to, the, to Jerusalem three times a year to keep one of the feasts and one of those feasts that they were required to keep was the Passover so here they are and they're on their way to the Passover and of course there would be a real sense of excitement and people would be eager to get to Jerusalem and I suppose the last thing they would want would be to be hindered on their travels as they made their way up to Jerusalem the temperature in Jericho well it's one of the hottest places on earth so it's not the kind of location for people who want to spend a lot of time in the open air but we can see that Jesus as he is making his way through Jericho is quite prepared to stop and have a conversation with someone that seems to be a total stranger to him some people are puzzled by the the way this story is described in, in the different gospels for example Mark tells us that this incident happened after they had passed through Jericho and Luke tells us it actually happened as they drew near to Jericho and initially that seems a bit of a contradiction 
But the, the explanation for that is quite simple. And the explanation is that there were two Jerichos. There was ancient Jericho, which, and Jericho is one of the oldest cities in the world. I forget how many civ diff different civilizations archaeologists have discovered, but it's about 20 levels. So Jericho is one of the oldest cities in the world. But Herod the Great, and as one of his building enterprises, he constructed a new Jericho, which was right beside the old one. So the place where Jesus met Bartimaeus was in between the old Jericho and the new Jericho. He had passed through the old one and was about to enter the new one. And of course in the new one, as we can see from chapter 19, was where Zacchaeus lived. And it's not surprising that he is a, a tax collector um, serving the interests of Herod and so on, that he would prefer to live in the one that uh, Herod had been responsible for building. But if you ever hear someone saying to you, ah, there's contradictions in the Bible, just think what Jesus did in Jericho. Actually, the answer to the dilemma is, is quite simple. There were actually two Jerichos, and uh, and uh, this incident with Bartimaeus took place in between them. And there wasn't much of a gap between them in any case. Now this is the only recorded account we have of Jesus doing anything in Jericho. And yet, he went up to the Jerusalem uh, every year, several times, during his three years of his public ministry. So he had probably been there many times before, who can say. But the one thing we can say is that this is his last visit to Jericho. He's never going to be there again. And of course that makes a... It's not just Jesus' last visit to Jericho, but we could say it's Bartimaeus' last opportunity. That he is never again going to have the opportunity of getting help from Jesus. Not that he himself would have known too much about that, because he's blind. And as a blind person, he was dependent completely on others for giving him information. But anyway, we know, as we read the story, that this is the last time that Jesus is going to pass through Jericho, and it's also the only time that Bartimaeus now has to meet with the Savior. So I just want us to look at uh, various things that are found in this story. And the first one I want to look at is the information Bartimaeus received. I mean, he heard the, the commotion. And it was a commotion with all these people walking past. Thousands and thousands of them. We're told that, um, I don't know how they work this out, but people that, are, that uh, understand some aspects of these things tell us over a million visitors went up to Jerusalem for the Passover. So we can just see the throngs as they make their way along the road and the noise they're going to make. And Bartimaeus 
he's quite used to what happens on the roadside and he hears this large crowd and he says what's this and someone tells him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by now I don't know if you noticed as we read the account how many names are used of Jesus in these verses but here's the first one that's mentioned uh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by now at one level that's just a basic statement but I think it's interesting to note how the Bible uses the title and of the different kind of places it appears and, and the, the variety of places where it appears each of them points to something significant about the use of this title Jesus of Nazareth for example it's the name that Jesus insists, oh, sorry, that Pilate insisted on putting on the cross. So there, there is the Savior, and he's got his um, name above his head, and he's got the alleged crime that he had committed stated there. That was a common purpose, but there he is. This is his identification. As he comes to die, he's Jesus of Nazareth. So his name is linked to his death. But also, his resurrection. When the angel is sent from heaven, and he speaks to the, to the women who are gathered at the... At the the, the tomb of Joseph and, and he, t he says to them there the angel that met them he says do not be alarmed you seek Jesus of Nazareth so here's a heavenly visitor and he, and he highlights this particular feature of Jesus that he's from Nazareth and it's not just there from Peter on the, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 as he goes on to explain what has happened on the day of Pentecost he starts his explanation by saying men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man uh, attested to you by God and so on and Peter builds his sermon round uh, name of Jesus of Nazareth but perhaps the most surprising one is that when Jesus meets Saul of Tarsus and Saul of Tarsus says to him who are you and Jesus uh, replies that um, who are you Lord and here's Jesus from heaven and he's identifying himself and he says I am Jesus of Nazareth and he hasn't been in Nazareth for several years and he's now ascended into heaven and living in the world of glory and he still wants to identify himself as Jesus of Nazareth so we can say that he's identified by that name when he's on the cross and he's identified by that name when he's resurrected from the dead and he's identified by that name when P 
Peter, on the day of Pentecost, chooses to explain all the things that have happened, and even when Jesus himself announces who he is to Saul of Tarsus, he tells us, he tells him, I am Jesus of Nazareth. So, that tells us, doesn't it? That we are to think of Jesus as connected to Nazareth. What was Nazareth like as a place? Well, we have the opinion of Nathaniel. Philip found Nathaniel. And Philip said to Nathaniel, We have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response, and Jesus himself, a few minutes later, or a few hours later, describes Nathaniel as the man in whom there's no guile. That he's always going to speak accurately, truthfully. And Nathaniel is from Cana. And Cana is six miles from Nazareth. So Nathaniel would know Nazareth very well. And when Philip says to him that the Messiah is from Nazareth, Nathaniel's response is, Can anything good come from Nazareth? It was a place notorious for all that was wrong. And we would expect someone with um, a background linked to a place like that never to mention it. Nazareth of all places. Nathaniel, who knew it so well, was was confident in his assessment that nothing good came from Nazareth. But there he is. Jesus was there. In that most um, most difficult of places to live. There he was. I, I once read somewhere that if somebody wanted to go on the run in Israel, the best place to go to was Nazareth. That you would never be found there. Because everybody else there was, well, they were probably on the run too. Who can say? And we know something of their uh, volatility. Because when Jesus later on spoke in their synagogue, their initial response was to try and throw him over a cliff. Nazareth was not a desirable place. But there... That's where Jesus was. And Nathanael was astonished that the Saviour could come from such a place, or at least grow up in such a place. And there's a certain sense in which we should be astonished as well. What kind of place would we expect the Saviour to live in? Well, he lived in Nazareth, whatever our expectations are. And the astonishing thing about Nazareth, Nazareth, the 
place where sinners were residents was the only place in which someone lived a perfect life for 30 years and there surrounded by all kinds of sinful people and all kinds of sinful activities there was worked out on behalf of sinners a perfect life <coughs> someone who lived there where iniquity abounded and yet never had one single wrong thought never said a wrong word always did right actions never once fell short of God's law as he lived there for these 30 years as a child and as a teenager and as an adult he lived perfectly and if Nathaniel is astonished at the fact that Jesus lived there we should admire him for living there because there he lived a perfect life on our behalf and as we think of how he spoke about himself from heaven as he addressed Saul of Tarsus the man who was trying to work his own way to heaven and the man who would never go near Nazareth Jesus said to him I'm from Nazareth I lived there and I did a perfect life there and that's good to know how would we react if we were told that Jesus was from Nazareth put yourself in Israel at the time how would you react if someone said to you so and so from Nazareth this is just walking along the road I don't know how we would react but we know how Bartimaeus reacted and Bartimaeus had never seen Jesus before as far as we know never been in his company before and his reaction is quite extraordinary if we look at it there in verse 38 he gets told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by and his immediate response is to give Jesus another name and he says to him Jesus son of David have mercy on me how did Bartimaeus know that Jesus of Nazareth was the son of David well when I ask suggest that question I have no idea how he knows but the extraordinary thing is he does know it's not only that he has received information from the crowd but he has got insight that no one else in the crowd has and that he actually understands that this man from Nazareth is the Messiah because the title son of David 
is an indication of the Messiah that the, we know that in the Old Testament God had promised to David that one of his descendants would be the Messiah and although the house of David had fallen hard times that promise was still there and often when the Messiah was referred to he was referred to as the son of David but here's a blind man sitting by the roadside begging and he understands who the Messiah is and he understands without ever having seen him as far as we know because at some stage he's lost his sight he's actually aware that should Jesus of Nazareth ever come near him he understood that the Messiah would have come near him this is, a, this is not Bartimaeus' conversion Bartimaeus has got more insight than even the, the disciples of Jesus have he actually understands that this man walking by is the Messiah he's already a believer in Jesus although he probably has never seen him physically and isn't this a reminder that God's people are found in very surprising places how many this is just a pointless question but if somebody were to ask us how many believers happen to live in Jericho how many of us would have picked Bartimaeus but there he is trusting in the Messiah he knows that Jesus of Nazareth whom he's heard about obviously in different ways is the Messiah and therefore he says to him to Jesus have mercy on me now when you ask someone for mercy for compassion it all depends on your assessment of the person you're speaking to if you're speaking to a rich person and you say to him or her have mercy on me then your desire may be for some kind of financial help if you happen to be speaking to a doctor and there was something wrong and you asked the doctor for mercy then obviously you'd be looking for some kind of medical help one way or another but if you think the person you're speaking to is the Messiah what do you have in mind when you're asking for mercy well whatever it is it must be based on the Bible mustn't it 
Did Bartimaeus know Psalm 146? The verse that we sang, the Lord does give the blind their sight. Who else received their sight? Who else could Bartimaeus go on? But as he interacts with Jesus and he cries for mercy and he later on tells us what the specific feature of mercy that he wants to get is the Lord does give the blinder sight as far as I know one verse tells us that God can do that and here's Bartimaeus and he knows what to ask of the Messiah should they ever meet and here they are and they meet what amazing insight a man who could see far better than anybody else who was with Jesus a man who although he had nothing of earthly riches he was an heir of God And in addition to the information he was given and the insight he revealed, we can see something of his intensity in verse 39. It's amazing, isn't it, the number of hindrances that come in the way of speak people wanting Jesus to do something for them. The disciples, we would think they of all people would be eager to hear someone asking Jesus for help. Yet we know from other accounts in the Gospels that the disciples hindered people from coming to Jesus. They didn't like, for example, the woman of Sidon asking Jesus for help. And they, instead of saying to Jesus, um, give her what she wants and let her go, they actually didn't want her, he, they actually didn't want him to give her anything. Just send her away. And the fact that she happens to be crying out for her daughter is irrelevant. To the disciples and even later on when some parents were taking their children to Jesus the disciples thought this was an inappropriate activity and Jesus himself had to rebuke them and say let the children come to me and here in verse 39 as people are following Jesus through Jericho it's the ones at the front the ones at the front of the queue and who are they liable to be if they're following Jesus through the city 
well it's probably his disciples and they say to Bartimaeus they rebuke him almost saying to him who do you think you are interrupting Jesus on his way to Jerusalem to be the great king as they imagined and this man well how is he going to react to this the voice of the crowd telling him to be silent and not to pester Jesus but as we can see from the end of verse 39 <laughs> and uh, what, what a wonderful example he is he cried out all the more their their energetic response to him as they in their sort of strange unity told him to be silent his response was to become more insistent and he turned to Jesus and cried with greater energy and more strength son of David have mercy on me a lesson there for us isn't there we are to persist aren't we and often is it not the case that the voices or the opinions of a couple of people can make us cease Bartimaeus wouldn't actually matter if the entire crowd was against him and never mind just the ones at the front of the crowd but if the entire crowd had been against him he'd have still have cried all the more wouldn't he Bartimaeus surely says to us when you're approaching Jesus don't let people stop you don't let the opinions of people stop you which is interesting isn't it and I'm sure all of us can say it in some way from our own personal experience but how often the voices of objectors can silence us Bartimaeus had no intention of being silent he needed something and he had met the one who could give it to him and therefore he was determined uh, to get it and he became very intense about it and because he was intense he had a interview with Jesus you know Jesus hears differently doesn't he Jesus and the others at the front of the queue 
after they print the crowd, they all heard the same words. But Jesus heard them differently. They, the others, heard his words and thought he was a pest. Jesus heard his words and he knew where they were coming from. Jesus knew they were coming from a heart that believed that Jesus was able to help him. And therefore, he stopped. All the others are in a rush to keep going. But here's Jesus, and he just stops and commands. And I assume the command would have gone to those beside him, his disciples, who were telling the man to be quiet. They're commanded to bring uh, Bartimaeus to him. And Jesus and Bartimaeus is brought to him. And Jesus asks him a very interesting question, doesn't he? He says there, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't say to him, what do you think I can do for you? Because the question, what do you think I can do for you? Just reveals our minds. And no doubt an intellectual answer. What do you think Jesus can do? Well, there could be a whole list of things that we think Jesus can do. But the question Jesus asks is, what do you want me to do? What's in your heart, Bartimaeus? What is the thing that is within you that you want me to do for you right now? Because when Jesus asks this question, what do you want me to do for you? We have to assess the question according to the capability of the person who is asking it. If Peter had said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? Well, that would be a very different question from what Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus looks at our desires. I forget who it was who said it, but some well-known Christian said on one occasion that God finds our desires too small. So here's Jesus, and he directs his question at the desires of Bartimaeus' heart. And he says to him, what do you really want, Bartimaeus? And Bartimaeus, as we can see in this interview, well, he uses another name for Jesus. Instead of calling him son of David, there in verse uh, 
38 he says Lord let me recover my sight so in addition to believing that Jesus is the Messiah he believes that there speaking to him the one he cannot see yet he says to him to do something as we mentioned earlier that the psalmist had mentioned in Psalm 146 only God, only God can do the Lord does give the blind their sight Lord let me recover my sight and what an incredible expression of confidence in Bartimaeus isn't there blind though he is if ever there's an example of inability there he is he can't even take steps to help himself and Jesus immediately says to him recover your sight your faith has made you well the extraordinary thing that Jesus is saying to him isn't it is that Jesus can meet the expectation of faith Jesus never disappoints faith and here's Bartimaeus whenever it was he lost his sight because it's a recovery he's got and blindness of course was a very common problem in the ancient world but one request from the heart of Bartimaeus to the heart of Jesus and there it was Bartimaeus had perfect sight what an extraordinary display of divine power and there's no reason why we can't use it in a spiritual way as well as we sung in Psalm 119 to help us to see wonderful things in God's law that we haven't seen before because when we have a divine teacher we can see them but there's Bartimaeus now what does he do once he's had his stop in a minute sorry what does he do when he's had his cure he follows Jesus where is he going in the next fortnight as he follows Jesus as he's with this crowd where is he going well shortly they're going to go to Bethany because that's the next stop after Jericho and then from Bethany they're going to be the, there's going to be the march on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem and Bartimaeus is going to be there and he's going to be there in Jerusalem when the, the crowds start rejecting Jesus Bartimaeus is going to be there because he's followed him he's going to be there 
when Jesus gets arrested I don't mean he's in Gethsemane he's not there but he's somewhere in Jerusalem and he's going to see them he's going to see the one that he knows is the Messiah crucified and he's going to be there when Jesus rises three days later and maybe he was still there who knows when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost but what an incredible journey he started on wasn't it having got his sight back and following Jesus and the places that he was taken to literally that's the places we're taken to spiritually once we start following Jesus and it's only the fact that he followed and we'll stop with this but it's how he followed he followed Jesus praising God glorifying God and we know from what he'd done previously that Bartimaeus knew how to use his voice he used it when the people told him to be quiet cried out all the more but now as he follows Jesus and following Jesus for the next fortnight is going to take him to Calvary but all the way he's praising God and no doubt he's doing so still so that's Bartimaeus a wonderful man a man who knew who Jesus was and who's now discovering who Jesus is and that is what it means to be a Christian isn't it to know who Jesus was and then to discover who Jesus is shall we pray Lord we give you thanks for the story of Bartimaeus a man with amazing insight that no one imagined he had until the moment came and you came near him we thank you Lord that meeting you changes everything it changed everything for Bartimaeus and it changes us when we have contact with you help us to hear your question what do you want me to do for you and help us to have the right answer even as Bartimaeus did in his own case so help us Lord we pray and bless us for your own name's sake Amen we can sing from Psalm 103 and the Scotter Psalter uh, verses 8 to 13 <coughs> Our God is merciful and he is gracious, long-suffering and slow to wrath, in mercy plenteous. We'll stand to sing.
Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.